Welcome everyone back to episode 7 of, of, of Stirring the Pot. Of course, I'm Gabe, hosting with... Man, you're your own, you're your own host. Yeah, I'm, I'm hosting, <laughs> hey. but I'm here with... Hey. Uh, I'm here with RJ, of course, Andrew, and Carter. Cam will be on NFL. But last week in college football, it was it was rivalry week. It was a very good week. We were super excited. I know two people went head-to-head. But we're going to start out with another Andrew special uh, between <laughs> Andrew Alabama special, and baby. Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the third Saturday in October, Alabama 34-20 victory over Tennessee. Tennessee taking a 20-7 lead to the half and then watches their rival Alabama score 27 unanswered in the second half. Jalen Milrow goes 14 for 21, 220 yards and an interception with two touchdowns. Jace McClellan for Alabama, 27 carries, 115 yards and a touchdown. Isaiah Bond, three catches, 77 yards and a touchdown. Joe Milton for Tennessee passes 41 times, 28 of those completed, 271 yards, two touchdowns and 15 carries for 59 yards. The Tennessee running backs went 23 carries for just 74 yards, not at all their expected Ugh. production. Yeah, for such a good group, just yeah, that you can't you can't be doing that especially against Bama. Yeah. Like Spe- that like that's your game of the that's your game of the year, especially at Bama. That's probably why Alabama went 27 the, unsc- that, unanswered. Yeah, that's a crusher. And you haven't won there since 2003 and that's going to last at least another uh, two years we can we can just chalk it down to when Nick Saban is done oh yeah yeah squirrel white for Tennessee went 10 catches for 111 yards and a touchdown the Tennessee offense scoring just one touchdown on four trips to the red zone and as I said last week Alabama is inevitable they are in the driver's seat in the SEC West and controlling their own destiny and they just seem like they're never going to go away they always somehow come out on top as long as Saban's there, they'll always have a chance for an SEC title, man. Even with how that, even with that offensive line, even the questions at QB coming into the year, look at them now. They're what they're like borderline top ten in the poll, and just they're not going to go away, which is which is unfortunate. But hey, it's something we're just going to have to live with. Yeah, it was very uh, interesting game. But uh, next is on to my game of the week, which was um, really bad. Uh, this is another bad take for me. I apologize, uh, Mizzou fans. Uh, I didn't think that South Carolina wasn't going to score a single freaking touchdown. Yeah, their kicker was four for five with a fifty yarder. Don't 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 bet against Mizzou, especially this year. Spencer Rattler with an impressive nineteen point four QBR. He threw one interception for two hundred and seventeen yards, averaging five yards a pass. Brady Cook, on the other hand, did everything he needed to really. 15 for 25, 205 yards, and a touchdown. But Cody Schrader was the guy to watch. Another great game from one of the top rushers in the in the FBS. 26 carries, that's a big load for him. But he had 159 yards, averaging 6, six yards a catch. <laughs> and two touchdowns. Uh, Brady Cook also had a rushing touchdown. But get this, guys. Missouri only had four receiver, like four total people record a receiving stat. That, that's awful. That's a that's a really small load for them. With one of them being Cody Schrader. So three <laughs> three receivers. Only three receivers caught a pass. Uh one of those being Luther Burden the third, who I know someone on this on this pod is gonna talk that, about that, later. That dude is nice. He is nice. Second in the FBS in receiving yards, right? And he's also top 
five in receptions. That's so, crazy. And he had two catches, only two catches, 15 yards against Kentucky. So he technically had a one bad game into that. So something that's not up to a standard. But I know that game was absolutely horrid. But moving on to, I think, another game that was a bit more entertaining, but not as shocking as people would think. Yes, very entertaining game. The third straight L against Utah for Caleb Williams. Love to see it. The Caleb Williams downfall, I think, officially has continued. Uh, Overall, just looking at what he does, even against top twenty-five teams, it's just for me, it's just such. It's a yikes because what it tells me is he can't play like as clutch as he needs to as a Heisman winner trying to go back to back. I just don't think this is the year for it. It's not going to happen. He went 24 for 34, 256 yards. That's it. As you, you know, notice, I don't mention a touchdown. Not one. Yeah, this this Caleb Williams downfall needs to be studied in laboratories. It, it like, should. I think. I, well, the only touchdown he had was on the ground. I know. But yeah. Still. But he's a quarterback. Yeah. Like, he's supposed to get passing touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to pass. And, it's, and I'm going to take a wild guess and say that that was like a little three yard run where the pocket collapsed because that's always what his rushing touchdowns are. I didn't watch the game. It might have been a little bit longer, but still, that wouldn't honestly have shocked me. But just looking overall at this game, I mean, Utah, their offense, 482 total yards. It was pretty even, 235 in the air, 247 on the ground. Are we shocked that USC's defense almost gave 500 yards? No, of course not. (laughs) USC doesn't have a defense. Like we say on the pod, Swiss cheese. But but still, the Swiss cheese sandwich. But still, a player from Utah that over I talked about last week and went absolutely nuts. Sione Vaki, a good call. Five catches, 149 yards, and two make that two touchdowns. Man, I was impressed by this Utah team. I mean, they are not they don't even have their top QB guy, Cameron Rising. Obviously, with the injury, it's kept him out all year. But still, they, they did really good on the air and on the ground. Yeah, and I think something that we need to mention about this Utah team is that their defensive end, Jonah Ellis, that dude should – I think at this point this dude, this dude deserves Heisman votes. This dude is nice. He's top, he's, top, he's top three in the FBS in sacks, and he's carrying that Utah defense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a perfect he's, – he's perfect overall. It gives that Utah defense some energy and some life, getting pressure into Caleb Williams. So, like I said last week, get him pressure, look at what happens. So, overall for Utah, that pressure was there. Uh, looking at the team stats, each team had a turnover. Uh, Utah threw an interception. USC had a fumble. Uh, Utah had more first downs, uh, five more than USC did. Um, but Utah on fourth down was two for three. I find that very interesting because in those situations where you're forced to go for fourth down, sometimes it can be the game, especially considering it's a 34-32 game. It was a two-point game. So every fourth down conversion matters. And going two for three in my mind, it was just overall it shows that they deserve to win this football game. Just considering what you're doing on the air and on the ground, you're overall controlling the time of possession. They controlled it by like over nine minutes. You're doing everything you need to do on offense to win this football game. Even if Caleb Williams had a little better stats, I still think they would have won this game. But third down though, not as good for either team. Uh, both teams combined for seven for 24 on third downs, which is ugh, just a... Just uh, one of the uglier stats from this game. But overall, looking at Utah's quarterback, Bryson Barnes, he went 14 for 23, but still 235 yards, three touchdowns, and only one pick. You're in USC. It's a tough place to play, even with their not-so-good defense. I think overall, Utah, it was a great win. 
and for USC, you are going to need to do something about that defense if you want to get a good New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, and for uh, Utah, Bryson Barnes, the big play, the 26-yard run in the fourth quarter to set up that game-winning field goal. USC also had some untimely penalties that's roughing the passer, inexcusable at that point of the game, that really let Utah win this game. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. Just overall, we know how roughing the passer is called in general, even in both college and the pros. It's not a call that really anybody likes that much considering how the refs like to obviously protect the star and the quarterbacks of either team depending on who's playing but overall it's just it's inexcusable regardless I think penalties killed USC here and gave Utah that chance like you said that Bryson Barnes run something that really goes under the radar but still like you said set him up for that field goal that's how they won they won off a field goal Overall, I'm just very impressed by Utah this game. I think overall they kind of solidified themselves as one of these great Pac-12 teams, and I'm really excited to see how this Pac-12 ends this year. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, we'll talk about Utah later, but another bad game for Caleb Williams. That's his third. That's another back-to-back playing decent defenses where he's not shy, and it's it's interesting because it makes him human. It that's the biggest thing. He is now human. He's humanized by these games. But we're moving on to the game of the week last week. And I know two people are happy and one is not so happy. But no. we'll start with the the winners um, of how Marvin Harrison beat Penn State. Yeah, honestly, Marvin Harrison, oh my gosh. When we needed him the most, he played really great. It was a shocking defensive battle, which I wasn't expecting too much of a defense like the defenses overall, I wasn't expecting much, but we got a lot. And I was very impressed with how Ohio State kind of handled that adversity on offense. Yes, you're you're not looking as good in the first half offensively, but your defense, wow, looking what they did to Drew Aller, I, w- I, was, I was very on edge with how Aller was going to play this game because I think this was our first true test about so you can – Tell me if I'm wrong, but yeah. so it's his first really big test, especially in the horseshoe, a very difficult place, one of the most difficult places to play overall in college football. Ohio State in that that crowd, that energy, I think got to him a little bit and how your offensive play callings are, especially with that running game not doing too much. Yeah, it definitely was his biggest test of his career so far. And I think a big factor that played into it was the coaching. I think... Well, I looked at a stat during the end of the game. James Franklin is 0-9 on the road against ranked teams. It it's not it's not a good look. I think yeah, I saw that I think the broadcast pointed that out and it's just like, uh, I don't has he beat Ohio State since he's since been head coach? State, no, he's never be, he's never been Ohio State. He, he's beaten Ohio State but not at the shoe. At the yeah. shoe. That's what it that, was. That's what it was. That's what, field the blocked field goal. Yep. That's what it was. Yeah. Man. I mean, it's it's really showing how hard it is to coach a college football team without Saquon Barkley. That he was the heart and soul of that team, and we just haven't really recovered since he since he graduated. Well, yeah, and you can't forget like years prior they've had big time receivers. I I don't want to bash on the Penn State receivers, but they're not as good as Jahan Dotson or or somebody like that. No, we don't have anyone like Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, like none of those guys. Yeah, nothing like that this year, but. It was still a good game. You can't deny that. I mean, having a 40-45 to score does not mean it wasn't a good game. 
it wasn't as exciting, but it definitely lived up to the hype. Everyone knew what this was going to be with two top-tier defenses. And I'm not going to say questionable quarterbacks, but quarterbacks that need to prove something this year. Yeah, those are two quarterbacks that really... It, it was a prove-it game for both of them. And I think even though McCord didn't have any like eye-popping stats, he did have a great game. He was able to manage the game correctly, and that's all they really needed him to do because Ohio State's running back was getting into the end zone for them. I, absolutely. Just looking, we were out Travion Henderson. That is our That was our main guy, and not having him had me a little scared about the run game, but Mayan Williams, man, just it, this game was a reminder of really how underrated he is in this Ohio State offense. But yes, McCord to me, passed the test it was like maybe okay like give it a c plus b minus but he still passed and one of the main probably the main reason why he passed maserati marv man i love the the new (laughs) i swear gus johnson nickname man i swear me excited if i hear maserati marv one more time he's forcing it he's forcing it i mean we all know marvin harrison is an absolutely amazing receiver but I feel like he's just forcing it at this point. But I mean, it's for good reason, though. He yeah. was probably yeah, one, that's true. Probably the main reason why Ohio State run uh, won this game, and a very underrated guy and one of the best uh, tight ends in the Big Ten, Kate, Kate Stover, Stover, had himself, in my opinion, a great game. You're averaging 17.5 yards a catch. That's over a first down and a half. He's getting those clutch plays, plays that when Harrison is not open, you got Stover. He's that he's the quarterback security blanket, and he did his job. Yeah, especially with the especially with uh, Ekbuka not playing. Oh was, yeah, abso- he, he played absolutely. he played a huge role in that offense without Emeka Ekbuka. Yeah, and the thing with Stover is you have all this talent on the receiving core, and that's why he hasn't produced. People look at the stats, and people look at you know his statistics, and he's not up to par. Like everyone's saying, he's a potential first rounder, or, or like top ten in the second round. And they're like, how? He only has, what, like 200-something receiving yards? And it's because they have so much talent that they can't feed him. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And even, I mean, if we even switch sides of the ball, the fourth quarter, right, the, as the fourth quarter starts, oh, there's no. one name against Penn State that the past two years has electrified himself. Mm-hmm, JT. JTT. I believe what didn't he get a sack as soon as the first or the fourth quarter started? Yeah, wasn't he was, it like the first play? It was the first play. It was, he was he was absolutely harassing us. It was so huge. I mean, yes, he didn't have as huge or big as that uh, last year's Penn State game, but he still had a great impact in that fourth quarter. When I mean, yes, that touchdown at the end of the fourth quarter was a little bit of a garbage time score, but still, it gave you yeah. guys. You still, you guys still had a chance. I think onside kick. You never know what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we. I think we deserved that touchdown. We we didn't have a great al- offensive output. I mean, we were held to under uh, just around 250 yards of total offense. That's not good enough, especially for a top 10 team like Penn State. But I think a big thing that we haven't gone over is I think the emotions shifted. I think there was a little bit of a direction shift when that scoop and score got called back for a hold. Oh, I mean, oh, definitely. I, as soon as I saw the play live, I'm like, oh, great. Because I didn't think there was going to be a flag. I thought, okay, they just got a scoop and score. That's brilliant. You had an offensive drive that was looking promising, and then you just wasted it. But that call was very huge. Yeah. And even after that call, your guys' offense, I mean, you guys were getting frustrated on that offense. I mean, considering 
Singleton kind of overjumped Allen when it comes to the rushing this game, which to me kind of surprised me. I thought you guys were going to keep going with that hot hand in Allen and going to keep him rushing. But Ohio State really impressed me on their run defense. This is a defense that has been getting crafted the past couple of years. We haven't looked the prettiest in the past two years considering our defense as everybody's like, oh, when Stroud was our quarterback, oh, the defense was the huge glaring problem. Obviously, against that team up north, it was shown. But still, this year, this defense is finally showed that it's maturing and guys like Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, Josh Proctor, Sonny Styles, JTT, just even name a few of those guys. They made their marks known this game, and they needed to because this Penn State team is, even though this was their first test, they are not a team to mess around with. I think you you guys looking forward in this past next couple weeks, I'm very curious to see how you guys kind of respond now that you guys have a loss under your belt and some more adversity. Yeah, it's gonna take it's gonna take a lot of going back to the drawing board, and this is where James Franklin shows his money worth. It it's up to him. He has to show that he's worth that large contract that they gave him. And I think two things that really like got the outcome of this game: both of our running backs combined for seventy four rushing yards, and we were zero for sixteen on third downs. That was killer. That's I mean that's a stat I almost forgot until you just brought it up. That's you don't see that every day, not getting a third no. down conversion, especially with how good you guys are on the run in those shorted situations. It seemed like you guys, to me, more went towards the passing route because you guys kind of gave up on that run game, Yeah, which I don't really understand. Like, yes, it's a third and three, but still, with the running backs you have, you have a chance to get a first down on those third downs and keep that drive going. Yes. And oh, I, it kind of confused me. I didn't get it. Maybe you have more on that than I do. But still, I just didn't really understand it. Yeah, uh, there was only one conversion on a third down, and it was because of a flag that we ran a quarterback draw on on third and nine. Third and nine quarterback it, draws. It was it was a weird one. What Coach Franklin? Like, if you guys are Coach Franklin, you're having a young quarterback who arguably, even though it's just he's a sophomore, should be a freshman. We should have redshirted him. I don't care what anyone yeah. says. We should have redshirted him. You're looking at his first true true test at. A, I'm gonna say it. A top tier defense in Ohio State. Um, it's not ridiculous. He's not now. It's not. It's yeah. not ridiculous yeah. to say he's, that. He's he's struggling, but your running game has no options, and you're playing from behind. What would you guys do? Like, yeah, I mean, Franklin needs to coach that team a lot better. I mean, I have I have faith that he can turn it around. It's been a very rocky start for him. This program has had a lot of trouble with coaches. I'm not going to name some of them, but we need to go back to when we had the Joe Paterno-like offenses. Those were great times, and I can back when we won the back when we won the Rose Bowl in the '90s, it, and we won the Rose Bowl last year. But it was it it just doesn't feel the same. It, it's not as really as much high power electrifying can lead you to those wins. Well, uh, one quick thing here I will ask you. Is your uh, game against the team up north, is that a must-win now? Yes, it is. I, I'm going to be very curious to see how you guys play and see how much adversity that I, you now have and going to see how you guys play moving forward. I think I think a large factor in that is that we have them at home. A- absolutely. That's very huge. Because if, if we were going to the team up north and we were playing them away, we're 100% losing that game. I Yeah, I'd probably agree with you on that one, but that will be very interesting to keep a note of. Even though J.J. McFraud, he's a fraud. 
We will we will definitely get into that later. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we will get into the team as a whole later. They're like probably the eight people because I I looked at it. It's very interesting what's going on in Michigan, Michigan, and, and where they're at right now. But moving on to this week's college football, not as exciting. I like to see this one personally as an upset alert watch. I I, I see Pitt versus Notre Dame. I see Arizona versus Oregon State. And I see Colorado State versus Air Force. Those could all potentially be upsets. But Connor's got an interesting game that there, he was going to share. There is a bit of an interesting game. I was going to take Colorado State uh, Air Force because I think that is upset alert to the max. But I think a little more of an interesting, like, talked about game is Colorado versus UCLA. So UCLA is currently ranked 23, and they're coming off of a 42-7 to win against Stanford. Now, that's a pretty solid win, considering Stanford is just beat Colorado the week before off an absolutely amazing, amazing game from Alec Aya Manor. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Apologies. But a very interesting thing to note about last week's game for UCLA, is there a little bit of quarterback controversy brewing? Now, the first game of the season, they did start quarterback Ethan Garbers. And after that, they've been with Dante Moore ever since. But Ethan Garbers, although Dante Moore was healthy, started last game. And he balled out. I I mean, I wouldn't say he balled out, but he had very solid stats. 258 yards, or 240 yards, my apologies. Two touchdowns, uh, 20 for 28, good efficiency. And he had eight carries for 51 yards. That's a solid game, especially considering that he lost his job after the first game of the season. It's a great way to come back. I mean, absolutely. I mean, something I'll ask you here kind of that gets my ma- my mind kind of working here. Do you think we could maybe see both in this game? Yeah, I, I really do. Um, I did research into this a little bit. Um, Chip Kelly, Chip, yes, Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly man. is the coach at UCLA. Yeah, failed NFL coach, Chip yes, Kelly. Yes, very <laughs> failed NFL coach, Chip Kelly. Um, he has not named a starter yet which I think is really interesting. But I think all signs are pointing towards Dante Moore starting because they were saying, like, in a preliminary report, they were saying that Moore was benched because he played against three hard-nosed defenses. He did play back-to-back-to-back against Oregon State, Utah, and there was another ranked team in there, but they had a large run of really good defenses to play against. So I think that, I think benching Dante Moore probably was a good idea, I went, They brought him in for, I believe it was five passes that he threw. Yeah, four for five, 26 yards. So he did get in a little bit. But I think that stat kind of points towards Dante Moore starting next week or this week. Man, I mean, just, I mean, just thinking about it, I mean, could it be a potential game plan that they can look, hey, okay, we're going to do this one, or one of the quarterbacks, for example, Ethan Garbers, and then like maybe if it's still like a close game, do a surprise switch up. Could that be a little surprise factor that could maybe give UCLA an advantage? Well, if neither of them can get it going. This is a awful Colorado defense. They're at averaging giving up almost 500 yards a game. So you're going to find a quarterback here. There's just no way. You have to be good against this Colorado defense. Yeah, they definitely. One of them's going to ball out, if not both of them, if they end up both getting playing time. But... UCLA's defense was great last week against Stanford. 
they only allowed 220 or my apologies wrong stat they allowed sub 300 yards two turnovers and seven tackles for loss and i think the big thing that propelled them to that win was their run game they were cooking they had 224 yards four rushing touchdowns between six carriers now the Colorado team is coming off of a bye week, and they are coming fresh off a loss to Stanford, which I came to a bit of a surprise to some people because Stanford came from very, very behind. I mean, when you're letting up almost 300 yards to one receiver, you got to think about something. He mossed Travis Hunter. Like that, that, that is not a good look, especially for a team that everyone was hyping up after the first two, three weeks. I mean, everything on ESPN was Colorado related, but they don't look good anymore. It did something happen. I don't know what it is, man. I mean, just think about, I mean, it could be a very interesting game. I'm not going to lie, but that Colorado defense, I mean, I just don't see it being as interesting unless they step up. If Colorado has a surprise step-up defensive game, maybe this can be a little bit close. I mean, just seeing what Colorado can do, obviously, on offense, if their defense can kind of give them a little bit of leeway, this game is very interesting. I think it's a great pick. Well, I think the, the thing about Colorado this year, it has to be their defense. Their defense is a bottom 10 defense. It, it's just, like, horrible. And I, I hate to say it, those first three games, which were... Um, TCU, who were ranked at the time, Nebraska, Terrible. and also Colorado State, who is also bad at defense. Yeah. Um, those were overhyped, and now it's showing. They first easy opponents. Now they're versing some real opponents. You lose the USC. You lose the UCLA. These are actual real teams deep in the season that have gotten some resemblance of an identity of what they're doing, and they have not been able to but get at it like they it's just been challenging for coach prime honestly as a whole yeah and yeah that is a good point i like that but i'm i'm gonna cut it short i don't think we really need to talk about ucla ucla colorado that much i think my prediction this week i think ucla gets it done 41 21 Hmm. That's all you could wait that's a really good score prediction yeah, yeah i mean you could you could see i mean with ucla i mean if they have a high power offensive game and then yeah. their defense even just steps up just a little bit they don't even have to do that much yeah they step up a little bit and they've got and they've got two fresh quarterbacks they're coming off fresh off scoring 42 so i think that colorado defense is arguably worse than stanford's yeah honestly they're like one of the worst even in the fbs that yeah. Colorado yeah. As, defense. as a whole i think i think they're bottom six yeah with colorado state who they beat being below them which is interesting as well yeah but that colorado that colorado offense if they can get going, they can score at least 21 points. Oh, yeah. Give them at least 21, but that'll I could be... S- yeah. I could see them, if they have an offensive outburst, I could see them making it closer than that, but I think 41-21 is a good baseline. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, with, with that, we're going to be moving on to OJ, who has a ranked game, unlike Cotter, really. <laughs> yeah. It's slim pickings it's, this week. It is really slim pickings, but I, I feel like this is an interesting one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A very slim, obviously, game selection for us here. But I got blessed with a little bit of a better game. Duke going into Louisville. 330 game. This is going to be very interesting in Cardinal Stadium because looking at the last Louisville game we watched, 
how they played against Pitt, man, that was just – I was shocked when I saw that score because I'm like, how? How do you manage to let Pitt drop 38 on you? I, I don't really get it. But, I mean, they switched quarterbacks over there at Pitt, and they've finally got something going, I guess. But looking at what Duke did last week, obviously you play at Florida State, a very tough environment. But that first half, though, they played pretty good. I believe they had the lead for most of that, and then eventually – it just got too much carried away. Obviously, Jordan Travis uh, lighting that up and the reason why Duke lost. But overall, this game is very interesting because uh, Louisville is more of a pass team than a rushing team. But Duke is kind of a little bit more balanced on how they do offense. And obviously, with Riley Leonard now back, uh, glad that he's back in for Duke. Obviously, one of, one of our... Surprise, electrifying uh, week one picks. That was very interesting that Gabe called out. Shout out for that. Awesome call that still, man, I'm shocked. But go overall looking into this game, I think something we're going to need to take a look at is how is Riley Leonard going to escape the pocket, obviously with that injury? How is that going to affect him to be able to get out of the pocket and throw the ball? I think that's something that we're going to need to take a very uh, interesting look at here. And looking even for... Uh, uh, for Plummer, for uh, the Cardinals, how are you now going to make a statement after g- not doing much against a pit team that's defense is a little bit mediocre, I would call it, but I think how Jack Plummer is going to respond here is going to be very, very big. Um, my keys of this game, I'm going to keep it a little bit short for this one as it'll be a very exciting game. I think for Duke, get both uh, phases of the offense involved. Get Riley Leonard to get some quick passes. Get get the offense starting. Get a little momentum in. You're away. Uh, Louisville obviously riding a really high, uh, really successful season so far, so that crowd is going to be a factor. So I think overall quieting them early is going to be huge. But uh, for Louisville to switch it, uh, for their offense – I think for them, you need to go with what, what works best for you. Passing the ball and getting that pa- – I think their their pass game t- top above the running is going to be huge. I just think Louisville is not really that good of a rushing team, more considering if you compare their passes. I think Jack Plummer, he's just overall a really great – he's a good quarterback. He's, he's kind of taken a deep dive the past couple of weeks. But still, I mean, he beat Notre Dame. He beat – you know how their defense can get uh, – they're looking very impressive. So he has the capabilities to get it done. So I think for Plummer, he's gonna, he can't fall on a slip. He can't turn the ball over. Uh, for the Cardinals, I think limiting those turnovers is going to be very huge against a Duke team. That can capitalize on turnovers. But to keep it short, my score prediction here might be a little bit interesting to some – I'm going to go with the Blue Devils here. I kind of I like Ooh. what Riley Leonard is doing. I think they're going to keep that up pretty high. I know they're not the favorites. I know they're not at home, but I think I'm going to go 28-21 Blue Devils, but it'll be a very exciting game. I'm going to have to tell you on that one. I like that. Yeah, I think that's that's one of two ranked opponents facing off and of course we won't get to mind just yet. Well, shout out to Andrew who did not do a game. We we threw him a lob ball with the Michigan Minnesota, Michigan State Minnesota game. That's just his speed, <laughs> and just like the Phillies last night, it swung and missed. So, uh, Ooh, <laughs> wow, wow, I wow! What a way to bring that. How in, are man. how are Yikes. the Pirates, by the way? How's their Triple A team? Oh, no. absolutely amazing! What you talk about? <laughs> yeah. So maybe you can win the Triple A championship. <laughs> that'd be that'd be a blessing. I'd take anything at this point. Fair yeah. enough. 
But moving on to game of the week, in our opinion, I think everyone else in the nation, number eight, Oregon at travels to Utah, who are now ranked 13th after beating USC. Bodacious. That Bodacious. Is it, but we're going to start with Utah's side coming off, like OJ mentioned before, beating now what uh, USC, who was ranked 18th. They played very good against Caleb Williams. He had under 250 passing, and he had no passing touchdowns. I mean, that's the biggest thing on there. He's been he's been racking up those passing touchdowns, and he had nothing other than a rushing touchdown. Former walk-on Bryson Barnes, the junior quarterback, 235 yards, three touchdowns, did have an interception, but 10 carries for 57 and a touchdown. That's an impressive stat line. Now, it might have been against a terrible defense, but it's still good. Now, Jaquindia Jackson, he had a workload. It was 26 carries, 117 yards, with a long of 26. He did not have a touchdown, but the guy I definitely want to mention, and he is going to be a focus key player in this upcoming game. I don't know how to pronounce his first name. It's like Sione? Sione. I think think it's Sione. It's just a guess. Sione Vaki. He's only a sophomore. But he had 14 total touches, only touched the ball 14 times, had 200-plus yards, and two receiving touchdowns. Not to mention, he also plays safety for them. Like, he, I mean, he's a dual-threat guy. It's He's overall, like I mentioned earlier, he was like that, that X-factor player. I think that's the reason, one of the main reasons Utah won was because of Vaki. The only glaring thing I have to see is that they did allow over 400 total yards on defense, and their defense has been their number, their best unit undoubtedly this year, especially in that run game. And they had a poor rushing defense this game against USC. And another thing on offense, the receivers as a total only had nine catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. You need more help from your receiving unit than just that. But the defense, they were solid. Three sacks, four tackles for loss, only three pass deflections. But they had three forced fumbles, only recovered one of those. But they, they it's still a solid game from them. And, of course, Oregon last week versus Cameron Ward and Washington State. Bodacious, like Carter mentioned. They, in my notes, I have him as a super, super senior. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, fair enough. Super, super. Only attempted 23 passes. He completed 18 of those for 293 yards, had two passing touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. But the man we want to highlight, and especially Connor, is Bucky Irving. Oh, yeah. 15 carries, 129 yards. That's 8.6 a carry. He had two rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown on 51 receiving yards. Yeah, I really, I really think Bucky Irving is doing more than what his job is at Oregon. I think he takes a lot of the workload off of Bo Nix's shoulders when he's in trouble. And this is also interesting that Jordan James, the backup running back, had over 100 yards rushing. He had 103 with a 7.9 average. So technically, you just had two running backs averaging eight yards a carry, which is ridiculous. Of course, Trey, Troy Franklin had a good game, four catches, a bit on the low side, but 79 yards, no touchdown, surprisingly, and he's been racking those up left and right but Tess Johnson was actually their best receiver this game six receptions 94 yards and a touchdown this defense though for for Oregon allowing 400 plus yards to Cameron Ward it that's an interesting thing I know Cameron Ward's a very good quarterback but they need to bounce back game if they're they're versing they're versing Utah 
who has not had the best offensive game, most because Cameron Rising is out. But they just got to see what they can do. They, but the thing that we need to mention here, Utah can pass the ball. Oh, I yeah. think we saw what Bryson Barnes did last week. I think that's something very interesting to note on is how is Oregon's defense going to contain him and force him to either make mistakes or throw incompletions? Yeah, but their rushing defense was great. 57 total rushing yards allowed. Defensive back Evan Williams was a stud. 14 total tackles, a sack, and a tackle for loss. And I did say he's a defensive back at getting those types of stats. But six sacks for the team as a whole, seven tackles for loss, and five pass deflections. That's an incredible stat, a trio of stats right there. But Oregon, this, this came into this preview. Oregon is just a crazy balanced offense. Do I, I dare to say they're the most balanced offense in college football. I, I'd agree with you there. I mean, you have Bo Nix, who stowed almost 20 touchdowns to one interception and 2,000-plus yards. you got Bucky Irvin, who's approaching 700, and he is killing it in the receiving game as well. It's, it's just so hard to beat this Oregon team on offense. Yeah, and I, I, I will mention one team in a little bit that I think rivals Oregon's offense, but I think Oregon it does have the most balanced yeah. offense. And for a Utah team, that's, they just came off a great win against Caleb Williams. Don't get me wrong. They played great against Caleb Williams. But in my opinion, I look at the Oregon roster, and Bo Nix has way more help than Caleb Williams does. And it's not even close. Bucky Irving, like I mentioned, you have Jordan J- James playing outstanding now. Troy Franklin was incredible. There's just too much for this Utah defense to handle, and that offense has been shaky. And I know Oregon's defense is wanting a bounce-back game. So I actually have Oregon 31-10 to 10 over Utah. 10. 10? Wow. 10. Just 10. 10. That's crazy. I've been quiet for a minute over here having to listen about Minnesota-Michigan State, which, by the way, Minnesota's going to win. And <laughs> hearing how Duke is going to beat Louisville, which is not going to happen. It's going to be Louisville. They're at home. But Utah is going to beat Oregon. What? Whoa! They do this every year. They always ruin other Pac-12 teams' title hopes, and they're going to do oh. it again. That's it's bold. <sighs> I know it's out on a limb. I kind of worry that it's not like super late game, but I still feel like Utah to switch a little bit because that's horrendous. That is a horrendous take. Um, I mean, I think you. I think Utah does have a chance, but I think Oregon's just going to overpower them. I wouldn't call it a horrendous take, but it's still a. It, it's a bold take. It's a very bold take, but I have a question to pose to you guys. While we're on the topic of Oregon, do you think they have a path to the national championship? It's it's so hard because um, the Pac-12, as we know, is stacked. It is the best conference in football right now, and. You 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 can't deny that they have. It's the, the best conference. It's the right best now. conference. Yeah. The SEC sucks this year. And you know how playoff works at the end of the season. You lose one game in like week thirteen or something. You're screwed. You are screwed. Yep. But the, I think the thing is, since there's so many powerful teams in the Pac-12 this year, if Oregon wins out, they should be number one. Oh, if, I don't know about number if, one. If Washington or Oregon wins out the rest of the year, they should I don't think one. Washington's going to win out. I'm going to give you a reason why the national championship hosts for Oregon right now are out the window. Really? I'm going to give you one game. And obviously we all know what game I'm about to talk about. 
Washington, that loss to Washington killed your national championship hopes. I don't know about I don't regardless, know about that. Regardless, no. I'm just saying, though, regardless of how great that game was and how close they were to winning that game, still, you can maybe make a playoff spot. And even with that, for the, for the Oregon Ducks to have a playoff spot, in my mind, they're going to need a little bit of help. They have, they, they have five games remaining. Three of them are ranked opponents. If you win out those three games, you get a spot. But they, they play Utah, USC, who are frauds, and Oregon State, who has DJ Uigalele as their quarterback. My only problem, they can win all three. My of those only games. problem with that is though USC looking worse and worse kills them. Yeah, if but USC, it's also it's also number thirteen Utah, number eleven Oregon State. That's two top fifteen teams. If you beat both of those teams, I think they have a legitimate shot, and especially if they end up winning the Pac twelve. Well, yeah, I mean, you said it right there, but if they match up again against, say, Washington in the Pac-12 championship... That, if, if they win that, I think they could, they have a legitimate shot to win the title. My only problem with that take is, okay, if say they win the Pac-12 title, what spot are they in? I'd say three or four. Three or four. Now, there's a problem with that, because guess who's going to be at one and two? Either the winner Michigan. of the OSU versus that team up north game, and then Georgia. If you look at those two teams, compared to this Oregon roster, Oregon has a chance, but I just still don't think they would get that done. I think it's too big of an opponent for them. You know what game? Even if Oregon wins out, you know what game I think decides it? Which game? Penn State-Lichigan. Really? If if Penn State wins that game, Oregon's going to the top four. This, this, uh, it's a very know. interesting player spot because you have Oregon, of course, Washington at five, and they're coming off a terrible game. A terrible game against ASU, but Oklahoma has a breeze line to the college championship minus the Big Twelve championship game. But we'll we'll have to see those those playoff rankings are going to be interesting. It's it's yeah. It's to say something here real quick. It's a very interesting topic that is not talked about anywhere. Really, this is kind of the first time I heard an open debate. Oregon national championship hopes question mark. I mean, it's something that we're going to need to keep an eye on these next couple of weeks, but we're also going to have to see how the other teams on their schedule also fare out because if there's maybe a there's if there's an upset in between those three teams that we mentioned earlier, I think that that lowers and lowers and lowers the odds for Oregon to get in. Yeah, and teams have been losing left and right, which we'll get into in the AP poll, and that's going to shape up. I think this is one of the most switchable years of how many spots have gone. As we've seen, I think it's like, I'm not even kidding about this, like five different teams in those top four spots. Not like, and some of them are out. So you have to look, but moving on to the AP poll, which I shake it up again. We'll start from 25 to 1 as always. And starting off with a newcomer, James Madison has entered the top 25. Yes. Round of applause. I, I like that. I like him getting in finally. Ben DiNucci University is in the top 25. Yeah. <laughs> USC dropping for the like sixth straight week, this time down to twenty four. Thank God. UCLA is up to twenty three. Tulane is up to twenty two. The Volunteers drop to twenty one. Duke drops to twenty. And Air Force has entered the top twenty at nineteen. Hoorah. That's that's very interesting. <laughs> round, round of applause. Hey, undefeated seven zero season yeah. so far. Give them their credit. Hey, they're doing it for the troops. Louisville yes, moves sir. up to eighteen. UNC, after a loss, goes down to 17. Drake May University. <laughs> they suck. Missouri making a late season, a midseason push as they're up to 16. 
LSU back in the top 15. Notre Dame up to 14. Utah jumps up one spot to 13. Ole Miss up to 12. Oregon State up to 11. Penn State down to 10. Alabama up to 9. <laughs> and we were just talking about Oregon and their national hopes. Alabama, here they are again. <laughs> here here they, they are how? There's always going to be propaganda Why? for Alabama. Saban will always push it, and yeah. guess they won't go away. They're like the fly that you can't swat. Literally. But then you have Oregon at eight, Texas back up seven, Oklahoma staying at six, Washington, despite playing really bad again against Arizona State, stays at five, Florida State stays at four, Ohio State stays at three. Michigan stays at two, and of course, the Bulldogs up on the top spot. Now, before we start, everyone wants to say something. I want to say something interesting, and if you look at the points for the first two spots, look how close that is. It's it's really close. You're looking at between, what is it, 32 points? It shouldn't be. Yes, I can do math. 32 points. It shouldn't be that close. And another thing to mention... Ohio State just knocked off number seven Penn State. They've beaten yep. Notre Dame. Michigan hasn't played anything, and they're still number two. I think Ohio State should be two. I think they should very obviously be number two. Who if Michigan played? I, I'm going to interrupt here and say something that might be a little bit bold, but I'm going to give it some context. Ohio State's resume, as we're going to call it, the C- and we're just just ignoring the AP just for a quick second. You know, the committee, CFP committee, what do they look at? When doing their rankings, what do they look at? Quality of wins. Stats. Quality of wins and resumes. Ohio State has, out of these top three teams, the best resume out of these top three teams. Georgia, obviously, remind you, looked shaky against Auburn. I will put that out there as well. But for that team up north to have 19 first-place votes... I don't get it. How do you give them that many first-place votes? That's bogus. And how do you keep them at two? Okay, I get it. They haven't had their bye week yet, and but still, I don't see how Michigan's resume has them still above Ohio State. Do you want to hear something bolder? Let me hear it. I don't know if they should be in the top four. When <sighs> you're, you're you're talking about quality of wins, you're talking about resume. Does Florida State not have a better resume than them? They do. They Does do. Washington not have a better resume than them? They do. That and, should be the top four. Something I will add on real quick. Don't be shocked once next week when these college football playoff rankings come out, Ohio State takes the top spot. And I wouldn't be surprised. And something to kind of put out here, that team up north is five. I don't care. Okay, I'll give them this. Yeah. Beating Michigan yeah. State with like how that. they did in Michigan State is great. I'll give them that. That's good for you. They That's suck. A, Michigan State sucks. It's still on the road. It's a rivalry. I'll give them that. Okay, good win. But besides that, who have you played? You know who even has a better resume than them? Oklahoma. Oklahoma, they beat Texas. That Texas my, win is no joke. That's not that's, that Texas yeah. win was a great win. My only problem they, for, with, they forced Queen Ewers to throw like two three picks. That's very true. But I will mention this: Quinn Ewers is now out for Texas. That win is probably going to look worse because uh, Texas might maybe lose a game, and then obviously your resume gets ticked down. But I still think it's a better resume than what that team up north has showed. I don't think the resume ticks down at all. 
That's just my yeah. opinion because they roast Quinn Ewers. They roast a healthy team. Jonathan Brooks looked like Jesus out there, and they still beat him. I yeah. mean, I, honestly, I think floor for Michigan six. I could see Oklahoma jumping them. I, that that's that's the mo- that's the controversial one. I, for I me. think that floor has to be five. But I'm going to give a quick scenario. Just for rankings at the end of the year, I'm just going to throw this out. The CFP we're going to go CFP rankings real quick after the cha- after the championship games go. Say Ohio State barely beats that team up north. I'm going to say barely. Like, let's say like three points, game-winning field goal. You have Georgia lose to Alabama in the conference championship game. What is your top four? Oh. Say, okay, we're going to say the remaining top four or five teams win out. It's even top six teams. So Oklahoma. What, so wait. Oklahoma as well. Oklahoma got, to I've, Georgia. I've got a very quick question. Yeah. What do Oregon win out? No, because Washington would beat them. It's this is winning out, so no win out for the rest of the season. They don't play Washington again. I know, but they play in the championship. Yeah, the championship. So Washington, Washington win out. Would they beat, win. They win the Pac-12. We're, okay, they yes, we're going to say this. Yes, Washington wins the Pac-12. Yes. What would be your top four? My top four, as of right now, say every team wins out. Because mind you, I will say this before Michigan you say Michigan and Ohio. Ohio State has to lose. You have to put that. Yes, in there. I will. Yes, actually, yes. that's a great thing to mention. We're going to say that that team up north loses very close, though. It's very close to yes. point game. Okay, conference championships matter. Before yes. you before you go on. Okay. Proceed. So my top four. Yes. Ohio State's one. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Exactly. I take I take Washington too. Because if they beat Oregon twice, and they beat Oregon State. I yeah, mean, it, that Pac-12 is loaded. Yeah. I'd say Washington, two. It gives it merit. Yeah, I'd say Florida State, three. Interesting. The ACC is nice this year. It is. It's it's, it's no joke. And it, then, it oh, that four spot. Oh. It's a coin toss because Oklahoma winning out. They won't. Oklahoma, Texas. Well, it, it, uh, it all depends who wins the Big 12. Well, Oklahoma, we, did, we said winning out, so Oklahoma would beat Texas. Oklahoma would win out. Oklahoma well, gets four. There's that. Is, there yeah. it is. I, I I'd agree yeah. with that, but I just feel like you're gonna. Okay, so you're gonna put Oklahoma above. I just think Oregon's resume. Even I mean, yes. If it say if it's a very very close loss to Washington, say it's very like we'll say field goal again. It's such a it's such a coin toss at four. You got a three team coin flip for four. And you can only put one team in. Well, the teams oh. you look at right now in the playoffs who are safe, like these are the highest possibility of getting these spots, would literally be Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan. I think Ohio State's above Georgia. And the, I think Ohio State has the best odds. Just due to resume. Oh, Ohio yeah. State's got to be a lock at this point. As, mu- as much yeah. as that hurts me to say, Ohio State has the best I w- odds. The only reason I wouldn't call them a lock is if we get blown out again by that team up north well, in the a, last game. A trap game. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I'm saying if it does. I'm not, trust me, I'm yeah. not saying that's happening. You just got to look at the what-if side. You, I mean, it's always what-ifs you got to look at. You never know. Oh. I'm super excited, though, for the top four to come out. Could you imagine? Could you imagine a top four without an SEC team? No, that, that would be, no, no. I just don't think happen. there's nods. There's just no way. I think... If that hypothetical scenario goes out, there's no SEC teams. Bama would have to pull... It's a future a, SEC Bama team. Bama would but, have to pull a 2014 Ohio State. Yeah. Looking yeah. at where they are right now, for that mm-hmm. big of a jump to happen against these teams that have great resumes above them, well, who who would Georgia lose to? Georgia would lose to Missouri. That's oh, Missouri's. On oh there? my God, Ole Miss is on there. They have a chance. Wait. Brady well, Cook. Well, no, Brady we're, Cook. Well, we're, Brady well, Cook and Schrader. No, we're gonna say. I mean, I mean, you could go that route, or you could go Georgia loses. Oh, to that would be amazing. And I, I'd say get destroyed in the title game. And, 
you've got teams like I know Georgia's schedule is weird. Nope. But I know I know who's going to be in the SEC championship with them. LSU. LSU. LSU, and I feel like LSU still has a spot. Even in, though they've got the two losses, because if you look no, at, if I don't know about playoffs. They beat, they've got a New Year's six easily. They well, they, who is L- Bama going to lose to? LSU. LSU. They play them next week. Wow. I, I'll I'll talk about it next week. Wow. But I think LSU is a team to watch. Yeah, out it's for. very possible. We'll talk about it next week because next week is another great week. Yeah. It's Georgia, Bama Georgia LSU. Versus, Georgia versus Missouri. It's the first true true test for Georgia. I know they whoop butt against Kentucky, which RJ knows very yeah. well. But <laughs> I think I, I'm going to be 100 percent honest. I think th- if there's a team to upset Georgia, it's the winner of Bama LSU. And it has definitely, to be. absolutely. It, it, Unless Missouri pulls out a miracle, and there's oh, which would also, be absolutely amazing. Something I just now realized, and something I mentioned last week, Brock Bowers will be out for that game. This is true. They, yeah. have a, they have a good backup though. Still, their tight end still good. It's, it's, it's not, not Brock, Brock Bowers. Bowers. Yeah. It's not Brock Bowers. That Ooh, makes that game against wait. Missouri very interesting. No, I'm not going to give it to Ole Miss. Uh, I don't think no, they. Ha- I don't no. think they have the firepower no. to do that. After the no. Alabama game, no. Uh, no, no. But looking at some teams that did not make it, Florida got the most votes at 34, which is the lowest amount for the 26 team. This is a very tight race between those bottom five spots. K State making a name. Liberty is making a name. Miami trying to creep back in there. But Ooh. a team to look at that's not on there is Iowa. They just got dropped out of the top 25. And they Man. are no longer even receiving votes for the top 25. Wow, Andrew. Even, even wow. more important for you, Andrew, there's a home team right there. You got Toledo getting votes. <laughs> Shout out that's to the incredible. Mac, man. Mac ball. I just realized that, that Iowa's not even receiving any votes. I, it's so deserved. I mean, should have, could have, should have won that game. Tough call at the end Should've. there. Wish dreamed, Should've wished been, upon the stars. Should have been offense. doing airplane signals on the putt return. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But moving on to another race, we're just going to go through this one kind of quick because this is a weird Heisman race. Oh, no. It's no longer Caleb Williams. Oh, no. It's no longer Michael Penix. That's stupid. It is J.J. McCarthy. Fraud. 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 It's kind of easy to be a Heisman candidate when you know what team, what plays the teams are running. We'll get into that. A different time. We are definitely. It's it's giving me Astros vibes. Yes, it is. But looking at Penix being number two by a short margin. If you look at this is Bleacher Report. According to Bleacher Report, Penix is barely ahead of Jaden Daniels. And then stupid. The top three is so far ahead of the rest of the voting. It's it's like it's not even close. Okay. can I can I go off on my little tangent that I said I was going to go on? Yeah, let's, let's hear it. Oh boys, do I have some stats for you? Speaking of the man, Jaden Daniels. Wow, he's kind of flown under our radar. You remember at the start of the season when he when people were saying, "Oh, he's going to have Joe Burrow type season." No, he's this, still not. Yeah, no. But ever since that Florida State game, we all thought he was dead in the water. Ever, yeah, me included. Here's some interesting stats to know for you guys. He's second in the FBS in passing yards. He's got 2,500 passing yards. Wow. Yeah. Yes. That's something that can't be denied. He is that first in passing touchdowns. He's got 25. 25? Yes. He's only got three interceptions. He's second in QBR. So, he's tw- so he has 25 touchdowns, three picks. Yeah. Yes. And he's three. Yeah. Yes. He's second in QBR. He's got 500 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. And here is, here's my interesting stat for you guys. Do you guys know how college passer rating works? Yes. 
Yeah, Andrew, you, you, I'm, I'm, I, I know what you're going to say. And yeah, I'll say you know what I'm going to say? Um, so the passer rating works. Uh, the upper limit is 1,261. That's if every attempt's a 99-yard completion for a touchdown. Yeah. And the lowest is negative 731. It's a really broad scale. Yes. It's weird. It's way different than pro ball. Currently, right now, Jaden Daniels has the second highest passer rating of all time. Of At, all time? Of all time. Two oh two oh four. Ahead of 2019 Joe Burrow. He's only nope. behind Coastal nope. Carolina. He's Grayson only behind McCall. Grayson McCall. He's, yep. he's ahead of Burrow right now. Hey, Grayson McCall, wow. not saying that Coastal Carolina, he led them to being ranked, but it's Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Jaden Daniels is doing this in a power three conference. It's yes. the SEC. And when you think about it, he's faced two losses. That's the only thing that's hurting his Heisman case. If they can win out, I yeah. think he wins the Heisman. And that, that Missouri... Uh, it's it's just a bad year for their defense against yeah. Ole Miss. Ole Miss, their defense lost in that game. But yeah, uh, there's a uh, from the source that I found this from. They said that ever since 2016, every year someone's broken that passer rating thing. At, up until 2021, so Baker Mayfield broke it twice, obviously with 196. Um, Tua has the highest career with 199. Which is absolutely insane. Oh, yeah. And every year until 2021, someone's broken it up until Grayson McCall, which was 207.6. Jaden Daniels is above 204 right now. So he has that chance. Yes. So could we, I think, with the stats that I, was the stats that I ratted off, do you think there is a legitimate case that Jaden Daniels will win the Heisman this year? I think now it brings it a conversation that gives it validity. But you're still going to need to win out. Yeah. I think you need to win out. He needs to win out. J.J. McCarthy is going to have a really big test against two great defenses in Penn State and Ohio State. Michael Penix in the Pac-12 gauntlet. Jaden Daniels has a good chance of really putting his name in some close voting. Absolutely. I think this Heisman race is going to be very interesting because you got a lot of names you can put into that final three conversation. And yeah. right now, Heisman frontrunner, J.J. McCarthy, he's seventh on that all-time passer efficiency rating list. Yeah, nobody cares yeah. about J.J. McCarthy. And we saw how he played against Bowling Green. What the heck do you think is going to happen when he versus yeah. Ohio Ooh. State and Penn State? Ooh. I think so. Like, I think they're going give him, to give him a shine, give him his thing now. But we'll, let's wait till after. Well, let's, get, let's wait till conference championship a, time. We need a Kalen King masterpiece. We do need to wrap up the Heisman talk. I'll skim down the list. Jordan Travis in fourth by a large margin, like below the third place in between. That's a gap. Dylan Gabriel is above Bodacious by in voting by one. He's fifth and Knicks is sixth. Harrison is one of two position players at seven. Carson Beck is eighth. Drake May, ninth. Caleb Williams is tenth. Jalen Milrow is eleventh. Sam crazy. Hartman is twelfth. Blake Corum is 13th, and Kyle McCord is hey. 14th, according hey. to Bleacher Report. Doesn't deserve it he, shouldn't, he shouldn't even have odds. But no. move, Hartman. moving on to a new segment, this is a great year for position players and players overall. Very balanced, very close as always. So we have brought to you our top three for each positional players and defense. So kind of treat it as every position in fantasy, but the top three. Guys, who wants to start? I mean, it was... I presented this idea to you earlier, so I can kick it off if you want. Do you want to start with quarterback? Yeah. Let's do it. So, I'm going strictly off... We can have our own criteria. Doesn't matter. I'm going strictly off of this season. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's what we should do. Yeah. Off the seasonal. And what we'll do is that we'll go by position. So Connor's going to give his top three, then someone else give your top three quarterbacks. Yeah. Going so we're, from we're going from one. three to one. Three to one. So number three, I've got Bo Nix. I think that's pretty obvious. He's the top three. Number two is Penix. And number one's Jaden Daniels. Wow. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I can't disagree Stats with that. Stats don't lie. Stats don't lie. That guy that's wins games. True. That guy wins games. I'm right around there. I'm Penix at three, Knicks at two, Jaden Daniels unanimously won. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Wow. I mean, just looking at it, I think Bo Nix is going to be at three. Yeah. Jaden Daniels is my second. So, number one, I'm loving him. He's electric. Give me Michael Penix, man. I think that's, he has his case. Obviously, you've seen what he's done at Washington. I think he has a great case. And I'm going to drift away with my third person. Shadur Sanders is my third. He has one of the worst offensive Wh- lines. Whoa. He has one what? of the worst offensive lines I've seen. What? He doesn't it's have, a true point. He doesn't have the electric weapons that Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels has. Because Jaden Daniels has two receivers in the top ten in multiple receiving categories. And yeah, Penix, the same deal. That dude lost to Stanford. Put him, put him on Oregon. Put him on Washington. He lost to He's a team. Cooking. He lost to a team whose mascot is a tree. <laughs> <laughs> the Stanford but tree, man. At number two, I have Bodacious, and there at number go. one, I have Jaden Daniels. I have Jaden. No Dan- Penix. No Penix. I think that's a little bit wow, ridiculous. which is interesting. I think that's wow. crazy. Moving on to running backs. All righty, let's kick this off. This is where mine get a little, uh, I don't know, a little controversial. I've got a tie at third. I didn't know who to pick. At three, I have a tie between Audric Estime from Notre Dame and Cody Schrader of Mizzou. They have both been electric for their teams, and they're a big part of both of their offenses. Now, we mentioned his name earlier, and I think he is a large reason of why Bo Nix is such a good quarterback at two. Give me Bucky Irving out of Oregon. I like that. I like that pick. And I think one kind of goes without saying, taking Jonathan Brooks out of Texas. 1,000 all-purpose yards, top 10 in rushing yards. That dude's that dude's nice. Uh, I went for a more uh, unconventional list. I've got Estime at four, Jonathan Brooks at three, Ashton Genty at two, and Kamani Vidal at one. Is that Troy? Yes, top in rushing yards. Yeah, wow, he's nice. Man went the statistical route. I I like the Troy. I like the Troy shout. At number three, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a shout out. Give me Katron Allen. Yeah. I'm very impressed. I've been impressed with how he's yeah. been playing. I thought it was going to be Singleton, but nope. He took over, and I think he's done a great job. <sighs> number two and number one is is a very a toss up between Jonathan Brooks and Bucky Irving. But I'm going to go with Bucky Irving at one, Jonathan Ooh. Brooks at two. I think I I mean they're both really great Ooh. running backs in my mind. They've had great seasons, but I think just looking at what Oregon has done and what Bucky Irving can do to kind of, or what he has done to kind of save Bo Nix at some times, I think that's why you got to put him at one. I like that. And of course, my list, I, of course, my number three and two are just going off stream from your guys. I have number three, Ollie Gordon. What he's been able to do Ooh, in the Pac-12, not I like, the Pac-12, in the Big 12. I like that. He has been electric back-to-back 200 all-purpose yards and just ran all over WVU. At number two, I have a guy who, for reasons of uh, Devin Leary being garbage, he has been a yep. main focus yep. on the defense. It's Ray Davis. Ray Davis if is nice. If he has a half-decent quarterback, he has so much more opportunities. 
this year, if you're versing Kentucky, you can run a cover zero blitz and it can get the job done. That's legit what can happen. And then at number one, I'm going with Connor. Jonathan Brooks has been yeah. rising to almost Bijan Robinson standards. Did I, I told you earlier, is he going to fill that Bijan role? And to put it into perspective, Ollie Gordon and Jonathan Brooks, they're both sophomores. They have at least that's, one that's more crazy. year. It's going to be great to watch. It's going to be great to watch those guys. But moving on to wide receiver, which is probably the most controversial position I, on this list. Oh, come on. I've got a little bit of controversy with this oh, one. Oh, no. You know, oh, I mean, God. you saying that, you don't know you know who I don't have at one. Number three, I have Keon Coleman from Florida State. He's been balling. I like that. He is a baller. Absolutely. Number two, I have a tie. This is these are the two most important players for these teams' offenses. This is ridiculous. Luther Burden out of Mizzou okay. and Marvin Harrison. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's, that's it's very it's very close at two and one. That's a joke. With Harrison, who and the number and the number one receiver I, I'm in the nation. I'm going to know your top, and I'm going to be really pissed. And the number one receiver in the nation, Malik Neighbors. Oh my God, he's got nine touchdowns and a thousand yards. <laughs> Give me a break. He's a great player, Malik Neighbors. I love him. He's a great guy. Like I'm saying, He's strict, a great talent. strictly off this season. Marvin Harrison, if you're looking at like just ev- everything, by far the best receiver in the nation. Isn't that what you're looking at? No, just this season. Exactly. No. Just this season. Look at what Harrison has done with this Look Ohio State team. Look at what Neighbors team. has done. Neighbor, does, does Harrison have 1,000 yards? Does Harrison have nine touchdowns? Does Harrison get... <laughs> Exactly. Does Malik You're signed Neighbors because you carry know a top uh, four football team? No. He's Soon he will be carrying a top ten football team. Okay, top ten is not top four. Okay. Uh, LSU's not going to be playing for a national we're gonna, title. We're going to speed who this said, up. Who said they are? Andrew, please give us your wide receivers. I told you this is going to be the most controversial. Got, we haven't even got to me yet, and if you think Connor's, you're bad at Connor. Wait till you get to me. <laughs> oh God! Oh no! <laughs> at number four, I've got Colin Lacey. Uh, three, Luther Burden. Number two, Malik Neighbors, and number one, Marvin Harrison. Okay, Jr. I'm gonna I'm gonna sound so bad. I like that. Who was your last guy? Like the last guy on your list? Colin Lacey out of South Alabama, second in the country <laughs> in receiving yards right now. What? I wanted. I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted a G5 pick. So you're, you're a stat merchant. A group of five. He, he is, is a stat, stat merchant. merchant. <laughs> Absolutely. Do we know who we're looking at right now? Mr. Andrew is a stat merchant. Yeah, it's Now, true. I'm going to give an honorable honorable mention before I get into my top three. You wanted to give him a little bit of a shout-out. Xavier Worthy out of Texas. Yes. Yeah. I've liked what he's done. I like that. And what Ewers has done with him. I, he has to be mentioned in some form. I just I've loved the way he's been playing. Number three. Give me uh, give me another guy so far. Yes, he was out last week, but give me Mbuka. I think overall, he's been awesome, man. I, I love what he 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 overall expands to Ohio State offense, especially when Harrison's mm, getting covered. That makes me mad. <sighs> but uh, number two, I, I you got to go Malik Neighbors. I'll get I'll give you the hype on where it is. He's done amazing things, and overall, I think he's going to keep uh, rising as well. So that's why I have him in at number two instead of three. But number one, it might be a little bit biased, I know, but still, Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't incredible. I think he should be the first pick in the draft, depending on yeah. who depending on who has the slot. If it's still Chicago, I think you still got to yeah. go Marvin Harrison. He's an amazing guy. He's great. He's been doing electric stuff this season, and I'm excited for what he does in the future for these next couple of games for Ohio State. Yeah, me putting him at two does not mean that I don't think he's going to be, if not two, then one in the draft. I mean, he's an amazing receiver, but I think – I just think Malik Neighbors has been better this season. Yeah, I'd like to shout out a few wide receivers too. We did not, none of us put Rome Adunzie on our list. I was thinking yes. about which it. Which is interesting. 
Brian Thomas Jr. for LSU, who leads the league in touchdowns, is also and, and Troy not Fra- on there. And Troy Franklin. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's your number three, isn't it? Well, moving on to my list, okay. which is oh, the no. most controversial oh, by no. far. I have at number three, Malik Washington. Wide receiver for Virginia. He is top five in, I think, receiving yards. What? And Virginia. From Virginia. This Virginia. Man, this man has oh been balling. Okay, Virginia, okay. Virginia, who beat North Carolina, by the way. Yes. On this episode of who he played for. He's like, what? Balling. Who? Who? <laughs> At number two, I have Troy Franklin. Oh, no. Oh, oh my no. God, no. Oh, no. He's stat merchant. Yeah. Oh no, Troy Franklin. He's been awesome this year. I know, I, I know who. I know who. I know who one is. He played. He outplayed Roma Dunzier. I know who one is. And he put his name in that conversation of top receiver. And at number one, I have Malik Neighbors. <laughs> no Harrison. <laughs> no Harrison. Wow. And RJ is leaving RJ, the set. That is RJ crazy. RJ is leaving the set. That is crazy. I have, I have Marvin Harrison <laughs> at four. <laughs> That's crazy. I have Marvin Harrison at four, and I have Roma Dunzier at five. I know we did that, not put the list, but I have what? to That's them. ridiculous. <laughs> what? At four. Oh, my God. Moving on to tight end. Touch grass. Oh. Touch Mo- grass. Moving on to tight end before RJ hangs me. Um, <laughs> 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 we are going. <laughs> All right. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me take this over. All right. Let's go with tight ends. Oh, so we have got. Not much to choose from for tight ends. I don't really care that much about tight ends, but I, I'm just gonna go number three. I think the first two were pretty obvious, uh, but I'm number two. I'm, number three. I'm going with Dallin Holker out of Colorado State. That's your pick. I know. Yeah, yeah I knew you were gonna pick him. Uh, he is leading the leading the lead. <laughs> Stat motion. Stat motion. He, <laughs> he has. <laughs> he has the. He has the most tight end receiving yards in the nation. Uh, he's played a large part in that Colorado State offense, and I think that's one of the reasons why they have a pretty gelled offense. Uh, number two, I've got Cade Stover out of Ohio State. Big big ups to him. He had a great game against Penn State. And I think everyone's going to have the same number one tight ends, Brock Bowers. You, well, I mean, you never the, know considering what's who some people have. That's true, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Whoa, he doesn't whoa, have whoa, Marvin whoa, Harrison whoa, in the top whoa, three. That's crazy. Saying, yeah. Anyway, we're we're on tight ends now. I have the exact same list as Connor, three yeah. two one. My honorable mention, Luke Lachey. I think he yeah. would have a very good case for top three had he not got injured. Luke Lachey's good. Oh yeah, carried an offense too. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna go with Lachey at three, man. I'm gonna give him that That's respect. Fair. I think overall, if he didn't get hurt, like we said, I gotta give him some props there. Number two. I think our two and ones are pretty nice. Shout out Stover. I really can't put him at one, but still, he's very he's a very underrated guy yeah. at tight end. I think he's done a lot of great stuff for this Ohio State offense. And number one, Brock Bowers is a beast at Georgia. He's he's their main guy, and I think he's going to be a a very interesting name that'll be definitely in the top ten come April's draft. I think I think Kate Stover gives off a little George Kittle vibes to me. Because he's good, he's good in both facets of tight end. Oh yeah, well, he, he can definitely block. Absolutely, I, I kind of see him as it's it's like a Darren Waller, but a little better at blocking, but less vertical threat. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I completely. Yeah. So I like George Kittle, pretty much. Uh, yeah. yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. But you look at some of the other tight ends we did not mention. Sanders from Texas is another name on yeah. there. He is projected to be a day two, potentially day one pick. But for my list, at number three. Um, to all surprise, I am not pulling something like last with the receivers. I have the exact same list as Andrew and Carter with Dalen Holker being number three, Cade Stover 
that wide re- that wide receiver room for Ohio State is ridiculous. If he was on any other team, he would be the top target, arguably. And then Brock Bowers at number one, who would be leading the tight end in stats if it wasn't for injury. I think yeah. that's easily unanimously number one. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. And are we gonna we're gonna do defenses we're too? We're doing top yep. three defenses. All right. So I think this is a pretty straightforward list too. Although they didn't pull it out, I think Penn State still has a number one defense in the, in the FBS. Ohio State's number two. I love I, Ohio State's defense played really well against the Penn State offense, which has been firing most season, most of the season so far, and they shut down the run game. That is that is major. That is a major props. And for three, I didn't know what to go with, so I went with a little tie. I think Michigan's defense has been very good this year. Michigan's defense has been very good, but I want to give a little shout out to James Madison. Yes, they lead like the that. FBS in sacks and pressures. Yes, I know, but they have not the greatest passing defense, like in yards wise. But their run yeah. defense is ridiculous. It is absolutely insane. My four is Air Force. My three yep. is Penn State. Three. My two is the Ohio State, and my number one. As much as it hurts, do me not to say, say it, Iowa. Do not no, say Iowa. No, no, no. You say Iowa, Michigan. I was down the list. No, you it's, say it's Michigan. Michigan. They haven't really played anybody, <sighs> but the stats just jump out. Stat wow, looking. We're gonna find out though once they play like Stat. Penn State or Ohio State how good they are, and you know, once some other things come through with the NCAA. That's that. Yeah, that's oh yikes. Um, Stat Merchant of the Year. Shout out. Um, at number three, I'm I'm gonna have to go with that defense from up north. They've been playing some good stuff with who they've played. So I mean, you gotta give them some props. They've been playing really good. So give them a shout out. Number two, gonna go with your Penn State defense. They've they played really good. They played really great on that side of the ball. I mean, much respect and props to them. They're going to be. They are such a dangerous unit. That's why that game between you and that team up north is going to be so exciting, but could yeah. be a little bit low scoring. But number one, it's only just due to how this week it was such a huge factor in the two and one flip. But how Ohio State shut down your main running game and even made our just look, ugh, it's having a little bit of an ugly game. I have to go with Ohio State at one, I think. They're going to have to keep it up, though. They, they can't really have any flaw games. But if they keep playing like how they did against Penn State, a side of the ball on defense that that team has been needing for a couple years. Yeah, that's fair. And mine's pretty straightforward. I actually have a tie. I'm pulling a Connor between, um, I have it down as cheaters, but Michigan and Air Force. Air Force defense has been extremely yeah. underrated. Yes. They're, my, they're my four. I, I know it's been run, 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 but that defense has been electric. At number two, I have the Ohio State University. It, it was a close call. Don't get me wrong, RJ. Between... Oh yeah, you can flip them one and number two. Number one, definitely. I, I have number one Penn State. They're definitely and flippable. I agree. They they are definitely flippable, but Penn State to me, you the only reason your team didn't hold OSU to a more less than tw- twenty is a great number. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, in this day and age of college football, it's a great number. But Marvin Harrison is Marvin Harrison. That was the only yeah. And Kate Stover made a ridiculous like what was it like thirty yard moss? Yep. To set them up for a touchdown. Yep. If you eliminate those two freak athletes, it it could arguably have been uh, like a 12-10. It could have been an Iowa special. Yeah, 13-10, definitely. You have to look at those those two teams and say, dang, these teams are have made and proven that they are the, they are arguably fighting out for the top defense. Absolutely. 
But moving on to NFL, we have our man Cam switching out for Andrew. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cam, Cam, welcome on, man. I know Cam is super excited because his Bears have knocked off another terrible team. (laughs) (laughs) What do you know? Uh, The hospital bowl happened again. Um, I love Tyson Badgett. I love him so much. That's a little different from last week. (laughs) Very different. Very. The Bears got him bipolar. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I'm so... Can I tell you guys something? With with this team, I feel like Kanye West right now because I don't know what to feel. You're bipolar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're bipolar. Yeah. I don't know what to feel. I'm paranoid. Fire song. It is a fire song. I l- Deontay Foreman had three touchdowns. Set. Okay, can you personally go to Chicago and thank Deontay Foreman for carrying my fantasy team this <laughs> yeah, year? Yeah. I've got like three running backs out, and Deontay Foreman turned into prime Jesus Christ. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 16 carries, 89 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. I don't know uh, if Tyson Badgen unlocked our offense or it's just one of those days. But I think it's one of those days. Uh, Justin Fields is unlikely to play against the, the Chargers, who are coming off a loss against the Chiefs, but that's all because Taylor Swift was in town. Other than that, um, the defense looked the best they have all season. Especially with J- Jalen Johnson, Tremaine Edmonds becoming the, I don't know, gatekeepers of the passing realm, getting combined with three interceptions. And Jaquan Brisker, even though he is questionable, being an absolute dog, last game with 10 tackles. Penn State dog. Penn State dog. Um, who? The Chargers. I don't think Herbert, as of right now, is a top 10 quarterback. What? What? Justin Herbert. I don't think right now he's playing up to his standards. What did you smoke before you came here? I had a uh, the the the, the mountain layer served pulled pork and it was actually really good. <laughs> that's what that's what that's what had me in the bathroom before this. So like that's how I know your that's how I know your judgment's flawed. Justin Herbert's that, not a no. top ten quarterback. No. Not Ryan. Who is? Josh Dodge. What do you guys? Think? Yeah, Josh Dodge. Josh, Josh. You're high. Um, <laughs> As of right now. I don't think he's living up to the standard that the media portrays him to be. Everyone, he is one of the best arm prospects we've seen in the past fifteen years. But fair, but who's better than him? Uh, Who are you putting over? We are, we are not. We I'm not doing time now. for that. I'm not doing I don't know if we have enough time for that. But like, but still, I, uh, question to the viewers: Who would you put above Justin Herbert? Patrick Mahomes. That's easy. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, um, I think the score for this game is going to be uh, 35-28 Chargers. I can, You're yeah. giving your team 28, your 28? points. 28 no. points. Who, I give my team 28 wait, points. Wait, is Badgent starting? Badgent's yeah. going to start. He's, Badgent's starting? Yeah. He's throwing two picks to Asante Samuel. Give me Chargers by 14. Yeah. Chargers give me Chargers by, by 17. I mean, but I'm geez. sorry, but like they got rid of J.C. Jackson, and like it's like their defense is kind of okay now. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. He was secretly the... Uh, well, well, I don't know really what to call it, but like the... I, I, I have poison, s- I guess. I have some hope now because I I mean we beat the Raiders, but yeah, they have Brian Hoyer. You should not have hope. You're, yeah. you're, you're you should hope, have no hope. Your number one focus should be two words. The draft. I know you're not talking. <laughs> you lost to the Giants. The draft. We'll get into we'll that. Get into that. Yeah, we will but get we'll into tell I'll tell you exactly why we lost to the Giants. What segue? Do you want a segue? Okay. I, I I told you guys I wanted to talk about something, and you know yeah. exactly what this is about. What so is it? first of all, the NBA season is upon us. Oh, and there's one person. There's one thing I have to get off my chest, and that is Anthony Davis. He sucks. 
this <laughs> scum of the earth. Oh my! You oh cannot. Lord. We're bringing back scum. You cannot have 17 points in the first half and then not score. I yeah. repeat, Cam is not a Lakers fan. He is yeah. actually not a Lakers fan. I'm not a Lakers yeah. fan. Yeah. And and before we move on towards the end of the football season, we might be implementing some NBA content. Oh, I mean, we might abso- be doing I think that. we absolutely I think will. We yeah, to. so stay tuned. Yes. And if you guys have any suggestions for us, just let us know. Yeah, there you go. What a welcome to NBA season as of an Anthony yeah. Davis rant. As there have been only, what, two games so far in the regular season. Yeah, and ESPN actually put out something that said, oh, no, the Lakers and the Warriors are the two 0-1 teams right oh now. Oh, my gosh. gosh. California not looking so pretty. But California since Cam, love. Since Cam mentioned my team, I'll tell you exactly why. I like to say that Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio flip a coin to see if they're going to do their job that they are paid for. That coin, if it lands on tails, is the answer is no. And I guess that tails was showing pretty prominent in that coin toss because Ron Rivera came out here and said, let's run Chris Rodriguez for our leading rusher against the Giants. <laughs> Can any of you name me who Chris Rodriguez is? No. no. He is our seventh round pick. And wow. he had seven carries for 31 yards to lead the team. Oh I can't lie. God. I thought with, you said Christian Gonzalez. Yeah. With, yeah, with a healthy Brian Robinson and a healthy Antonio Gibson, Chris Rodriguez, a guy who almost didn't get drafted, led the team. That's so, ridiculous. That sounds like someone that works at Arby's. Yeah, <laughs> what? <laughs> Why Arby's? Shout out to my. I don't man. know. I I, I, cause I didn't want to say Popeyes, or McDonald's. I just want to say Arby's. Arby's. I mean, their curly fries are fire, though. You got to give him that. Yeah, I mean, top five fries. He's he's solely responsible for that. We have to talk about Sam Howell getting sacked for the fortieth time this year. <sighs> he is wow. pushing pace for one hundred. How, how does this dude have ACLs? I don't know, and, and they are bad. Sacks. Don't jinx him too soon, man. Don't I don't want to blow a situation. He plays Knocking in FedEx Field. Knock he plays wood. in FedEx Field, but Ron Rivera is the hottest coach on the uh, has the hottest seat. No way, because of Magic jo- uh, Magic Johnson. I'll give you a name that's more hotter seat than him, McDaniel's. McDaniel, you could go McDaniel's. Oh, yeah. you can go Staley. Oh yeah, Brandon Staley's seat is hot. With it's the, still top three. with the ownership of Washington, Josh Harris and Magic Johnson. What a winning coach! Shout out weekly Magic Johnson and tweets. Magic Johnson, I haven't seen this up. Magic Johnson this upset since we're just gonna say he had to retire. Oh my god! <laughs> and you guys That's know wild. what I mean oh, from that. That is god. that is wild. But I knew it was that girl from Sacramento. Shout out oh to my, my man god. Andrew. <laughs> shout out to my man Andrew because I know you're gonna love this stat. Tress Way had <laughs> ten putts yeah. for 531 hey. yards. He is averaging 50 we will plus be, putts. We will be having a segment for special teams players coming soon. Don't oh you guys god. worry. But yes. could you imagine your punter almost d- doubling? Your offensive output. That's ridiculous. That's, that's Washington numbers. That, yeah, that, that tells you something. Chessway yesterday, uh, yesterday on Sunday, became only the third punter in NFL history to putt for 500-plus yards three times in a career. Oh. I say, let's not slow down there. We want him to be number one. Let's make him the first one to do it five times. <laughs> <Does> it, <laughs> I, I, I'm starting to get I'm starting to get like Big Ten West vibes from the NFC East. Uh, it's yeah, I mean, I mean, low-scoring okay. defensive games. The Eagles just had a great game against the Dolphins. That's an electric offense. They played good. No A chain. He most got injured. Yeah, yeah, they didn't play it. But Dallas, they are on my fraud watch. I mean, their wins are against New York. Um, Washington has been hot garbage, and the Giants have been hot garbage. So I mean, Tyron. He's played. Dumped he's, is Tyrod Taylor. He, he dropped, he's played better than Daniel. He had Jones. two touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, this yeah. is this is ridiculous. Uh, I I hate to ramble, but 
it's just I don't want to go seven and nine. Ron Rivera's win percentage with Washington is forty two percent. You think you're gonna go seven and nine? I we always freaking do. Six and they'll ten. go on this three or four game I, winning I was, streak. I was gonna say seven nine's pushing it. They, they'll go on this three or four game win streak and then drop three in a row. This is exactly what they do. We'll be in playoff contention. We'll be in the hunt for all of the weeks, and it's randomly Ron Rivera f- will forget that we can get eliminated from the playoffs, and he'll drop a dud. <sighs> Playing Carson Wentz against the Browns, and the Browns ran a prevent defense for the first half, and he threw three interceptions. Joe Woods masterclass. Against Joe Woods. Joe Woods. Current Saints defensive coordinator. A guy who, got a job. who couldn't outcoach a wall, we lost to. That, that's tough. I mean, at least you're not the Panthers. It's very fair. I mean, you, you are loving the Panthers right now because he will get you Marvin. They will get you Marvin Harrison. I know. Absol- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because if you guys have the number one pick, I don't see you guys trading it away again. You're going to pick up Marvin Harrison to, to combine with DJ Moore, and then you'll probably have a top five, five pick. Ta- give believe, him the tackle out of Penn and State. And give him the tackle out of Penn State, yeah. and you have a revamped offense. Yes. Can, I, can I ask you all a question? What? Where is Justin Fields after the season? On the Bears. Yeah, he's he on has, the Bears. He he's has on one more Bears. year. Yeah. They're going to pick up Marvin Harris. They're going to get that tackle from Penn State, and he has what we have, a contract-proven yeah. year. Yeah, yeah I don't, absolutely. I don't see why they wouldn't keep him around. So you don't you think to. there's a chance? No. 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 That Michael Penix gets No. no. Michael Penix? No. What? You don't no. think there's a chance? No. At that point, At that point, why wouldn't you say Caleb? Maybe if you're talking fourth round. Because the Bears always do something very stupid. Mitch Trubisky. Yep. Okay. Tra- didn't they trade up for him, too? Yes. No, yeah. Chicago sounds like such a Drake May home. It sounds like such a Drake <laughs> May team. Drake May team. Why am I getting but you started on Drake, Drake May? May? Drake May's not going to go there. He's too high up, but <sighs> it's a bad season. I know you guys are coming off some highs. RJ? Yes. Moving on. Yep. The Cleveland Browns. Did we get bailed out again? Absolutely. Yes. Very much so. But... We have gotten screwed over by ref calls for like 30 years, so I don't want to hear it. I'm not really hearing that criticism. We we had our talks, and we got screwed over by the refs, but nobody seemed to care. So I'm just going to keep that mentality. Don't care. Move on to the next. P.J. Walker, uh, I'm. it's very confusing with how he plays, but, I mean, he somehow gets the job done throwing a pick <laughs> or two every game. That's respectable. <laughs> he has, he, has, he, has he thrown a touchdown for nope, the Browns? No, he has not. I was going to say. <laughs> and he's 2-0. and oh. he is I don't get that. He is outperforming Deshaun Watson. That's he, crazy. He has beat one of the best defenses in San Fran. Without throwing and, a touchdown. And the only team in the NFL to average uh, 20 points per game or higher in the Colts. Yeah, we'll come back. Fun, to, fa- we'll fun come, fact. We'll come back to San Fran in a minute. Yeah, that's, a, that's a fun little stat there to throw in. But the, this Cleveland Browns defense, Miles Garrett is just making a defensive player of the year case. He went nuts. That jump with that 60-yarder, I'm like, okay. I was like, oh, they're going to have to kick it really low. But, wow, Miles Garrett literally jumped over that center and blocked it himself. He just The whole game can just go in his hands because he's just that great of a player. Miles Garrett just overall impresses me as he usually does every week. Just overall, the defense runs around him. And that, I mean, our secondary, it was, I wasn't impressed, but you're going to have those games. I mean, you went, you went Michael Pittman Jr., just absolutely body bag like everyone. Josh Downs. Josh Downs was, Josh Downs was, Downs is Jesus. Oh my gosh. The tackling that fourth quarter touchdown from against on that throw for Pittman, I thought that was when I thought we were going to lose the game. Was that? But I mean, this Cleveland team was resilient. We're clawing away wins. We are not a shootout team. We don't have the offense. We have one of the. Our offense right now is very bad. But you definitely have the weapons. 
it's just we don't right now our quarterback Deshaun's getting his injury I just want him my overall view on that is I want him rested he's definitely not he's actually not starting PJ Walker has been the confirmed starter for Seattle that's crazy finally I know and I'm fine with that the reason why I'm fine with that is because we finally know who is the starter on a Wednesday and not on a Friday or a Saturday and he has his chance to take those first team reps which he didn't do last week obviously because we thought Deshaun was fine apparently I wanted to sit him against Indy we didn't do it and it's coming to bite us but now, looking at this team, now regardless, okay, whatever, you're four and two. Round of applause for four and two. I'm I'm very impressed at that stat, and it's because of the top defense in the NFL. That's great, and yeah. I'm very impressed. But this game against Seattle is going to be our toughest test yet. Not the 49ers. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, San Fran, but that was a weather game, so yeah, that is still true. now without having much of weather concerns. It's Seattle now with the Seattle team. They are they're one of the somehow shockingly one of the worst red zone teams in the NFL this year. I find that very interesting in Cleveland weird. and the Cleveland Browns and our defense being the top of the league that they are and really good in the red zone. I could see it being a potential low scoring game. I'm not saying we're going to win. I'll be okay with a loss here. You I mean you expect to happen? You can't get bailed out by your defense every game, so it might happen. I'd be okay with the loss, but I just want it to be close. I want our offense to bring some firepower a little bit. Get some passes going. Amari Cooper didn't have a catch till the fourth quarter. Yeah, I saw that his fantasy numbers were not up to par. Yeah, and guess who had him? Me. Anyway, <laughs> I, I just don't understand why you don't get him more targets. It's a, it's Amari Cooper. He's an ama- he's amazing. He's the, one of the best route runners in the NFL. He can give that offense a spark, and he didn't use him. Our leading receiver was Elijah Moore, which I'm very impressed with this year. Don't get me wrong. Elijah Moore has been really good for us this year, and I expect him to keep getting like at those wide receiver two reps, kind of what DPJ was kind of last year, the past couple of years. Uh, but overall, just looking at this Browns team, I'm excited for our future. We have a very favorable schedule towards the end of the year. Besides our divisional matchups, you look at the rest of the schedule. You play teams like Chicago. You play the Jets. Jacksonville will be a very interesting game. That's probably one of our other uh, tougher games remaining is that Jacksonville game. But, I mean, I'm excited for this team. I'm excited to see what we can do. Once Deshaun finally fully gets healthy, his he had his flashes against Tennessee, which – Tennessee. Give it Tennessee, but still, they've been getting a little bit better on defense. But still, it's still progress. It's what you're looking for if you're the Browns, the reason why you gave him that huge contract. But this trade deadline, and something I'll ask you guys towards the end once everybody gets through their teams, it'll be very interesting. I think Andrew Barry is going to need to make a move. A very interesting move, whether that's getting potentially maybe a running back that's for like a, maybe a low draft pick who that you can use. for Tennessee. Ah, oh. uh, I'm not going that far. No. <laughs> I'll go on to who I would want later, but even or even an. Uh, I mean, I think we'll probably stay away from tackle, but even Garrett Bowles out of Denver. You know how Denver's looking to be sellers this so, trade deadline, but uh, having him, I think, would bolster our offensive line even more. So but wait. still, you don't have you don't have full, you don't have confidence in Ford. Ford and Hunt He's in injured for the next two weeks. Yeah, Kareem Hunt. Kareem yeah, Hunt played true. good last game. I'm excited I, this, about Hunt. I, I, I love week. Hunt. Hunt gives me confidence back because I know what he can do, and he's been in this offense for a couple years. He knows what to do, and he has the ability to take, have that potential top 10 running back numbers. You see what he did with him and Chubb. He was somehow in that conversation for top 10. That's why we had one of the best running back backfields that year. So I'm confident in Hunt, but I just want to make sure – what can I see out of P.J. Walker that shows me he's just a 
a game manager and just not throwing interceptions or fumbling the ball. That's all. That's all I want out of him. I don't need the flashy touchdown numbers, passing. I don't need any of that. Just give me some yards, give me some passing plays I can open up the run and give me a shocking win in Seattle and I'll be very happy being five and two, no question. Five and two and content and you still got you guys still vote Pittsburgh. But And that's that's at home. The Sean Watson's injury is big. Um, you guys trade your whole future for this guy. Yeah, so I'm kind of hoping things so. pan out. I want him to be kind of fully healthy, hopefully, by um, the game in Baltimore, which is uh, two weeks from now. But I, I'm overall very excited for this team, and I'm very excited that we could potentially make a run for the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, going to the other Sticking team. in division. Yeah, sticking in division sticking and in, Ohio, in the same actually. state. Yeah, sticking in Ohio. Should be in Kentucky, um, but moving on. I don't want to hear it. Uh, we can, I feel like we talk about Kentucky every week somehow with the Bengals. That's very, yeah. Very but with the Bengals, they're coming fresh off a of bye week. I think it was a very needed bye week. Absolutely. We definitely needed that to – I mean, I'm, I'm going to keep this short with the Bengals section. There's not really much to talk about. There hasn't been a lot of rumbles going on. But I think that bye week was much needed. We head into San Fran where – Breaking news: Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol. That was very interesting that we noted that, yeah. that I noted before we even started recording. Mr. I didn't even know about it. Yeah, so I'm assuming it must have been something in practice. Maybe that could have. Uh, I probably. mean, you don't really hit the quarterback though in practice. Maybe something yeah. happened. I don't know really what could have happened. Maybe maybe it happened during the Monday night game. Could, could I thought we would have thought of, known about that by now if it was that glaring of an issue? But still, that's a huge advantage for you guys. Maybe maybe he went into his reps in practice on Tuesday and they just saw something was off with him, and then they just put him in protocol today. I mean, could be yeah, run some tests, yeah, absolutely. But I is am I correct in saying there's still a chance that he plays? He can get it's out of very protocol. low. It it's is very, very low. low so I don't think it. There's ever since Tua, they're so serious about concussions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they should be though. I mean, it's yeah. very it's very fair. But I mean, no player has come well, back from the protocol and play that same week. Especially, yeah. it's very middle to late in the week for how the NFL schedule goes with like player practices and everything. I'll keep it short, but. It, they're, they're serious about concussions for all the wrong reasons, and that's because if yeah. it happens on live TV how it did with Tua, that's it, it's going to look ugly. It's looking ugly for them, yeah, absolutely. and that's the only reason that that's, they're serious about it. It's terrible that that's the only reason they're serious about it. They need to take care of their players, absolutely. and it, it sucks that it has to come down to Tua looking like he's literally going through a seizure on the field. Yeah. It, it's, it's terrible that it comes down to that. It is. But right now, the starter as of right now, is former Jets quarterback Sam Darnold. The ghost hunter. The ghost seer. He is, hopefully he's going to be seeing ghosts out there. Hopefully he's going to be out indefinitely with mononucleosis again. Uh, <laughs> although it doesn't matter because he's probably not going to play very well because it's it's Sam Darnold. He has CMC though, man. He does have CMC, which is scary. That's going to be the major X factor. Yeah, I think, for but that game for I think guys. the one thing that we need to focus on is run defense. Because, I mean, they also don't have Debo, I believe, either. Yeah, yeah Debo's still out. Trent Williams is shaking up. Trent Williams is shaking up, but then again, if we can just get him into a fight early, like I always say, if we get him into a fight early, we don't have to worry about him. It'll be it'll be a very I mean a San Fran team that's coming off uh, a very shocking yeah Monday night football loss. I I'm even with Brock Purdy starting, I would say we have a decent chance to win this game because he has looked really shaky. It's because. CMC is shaken up, as we know. He had the injuries, and he's always had injuries. And Debo Samuels is also shaken up. It's it's crazy. You take what, out you take out two All Pro players, and look what happens. It's crazy what happens when two of the t- players that carry you are gone, and you suck. 
Gee, it's it's, what a what a wondrous stat. He's kind of coming back down to earth with all the yeah. comparisons and He's everything. He's about to become Mr. Irrelevant again. Oh, no. Mr. We're not Mr. going that far. No. Mr. Irrelevant to Mr. Relevant, then back to Mr. Irrelevant. That'd be really uh, funny. I doubt that would but, happen, man. But yeah, but putting him over in MVP voting, he was top three at one point. Yeah. Over CMC. That is crazy. Wasn't going to last long. Yeah. Yeah. That, it was just sticking MVP-wise. Yeah. But like RJ said, we might actually do a little segment next week on the trade deadline that is coming up. and I think, Yeah, that'll be a post-trade yeah. deadline segment. But kind of, I mean, quick thing, but before we move on to fantasy, I want to ask everybody this. Maybe we can do quick-fire answers. For your teams, respectively, who is one player that you want your franchise to try and target via trade. I know exactly who that is, and the Eagles already traded for him. Kevin Byron. Yikes. Yeah, I think that I that would hurt your soul. I mm-hmm. see that. Because, I mean... It would have been a big addition. Yeah, he uh, veteran veteran presence in that, because we got a lot of young guys back there. Absolutely. Other than Awuja and Hilton, all those guys are probably under 26, I would, I would say, especially Hill and Britt. Um those are our two. Those are two cornerstones of our defense right now. Absolutely. But I think that veteran presence from Kevin Byer would be crazy. But now he's with the Eagles, so it doesn't matter. But we're definitely going to have to try and find some secondary help. Oh yeah, Jalen Waddle. That's what? not happening. That's not happening. I know, happening. I know it's not happening. Be realistic. I, well, I, 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 I'm trying to be. Cameron. Like, you can't be realistic with the Bears. No, Cameron. Draft capital. Draft capital. Yeah, capital. yeah, yeah. Trade but, your older right. guys. Yeah. yeah. Who's one player that you think? Doino even, Mooney. We'll, yeah, we'll say Doino. for you, Sellers. Doino Mooney. Yeah. yeah, honestly, honestly, look at getting rid of one of your tackles. I'll sell Eddie Jackson for all I care. Honestly, look at getting rid of one of your tackles. Getting rid of Eddie you, Jackson would not be a bad play. No, yeah, absolutely. That's not a bad play at all. Gets you more capital. It would get you more capital. And I think that you should look at trading one of your tackles because if you're looking at getting those two top five picks, I think that Fashanu is definitely on the cards for you, and he's really good. So I, yeah. I think Gabe, that would definitely who, be yeah, one. Gabe, who do, we, who do you think for the commanders? You guys know my answer. I'll take any offensive lineman. Any, That's fair enough. Any That's guy fair. who's over 300 pounds and six foot five, get Ooh, me on this you know, team. You know wow. who's one? He's very shaky, and he gets injured a lot. Lyle Collins. That is true. I don't want him, though. Isn't he a free agent? Yeah. He is That's because... You pick him up. This, yeah. this is the reason he's a free him. agent, and this is why I don't want him. He has off-the-field issues, which Ron Rivera is very picky about. That's one thing about Ron Rivera. He's very picky about off-the-field issues, and we're trying to rebuild a culture. We went from, like, Darius Geis, who's a name that hasn't been mentioned in a while. Oh, yeah. But he was he's the last rusher not named Brian Robinson to run for, like, I think, a 30-yard total. Wow. And... We had the issues with Reuben Foster. We're trying to rebuild oh, a culture. Yeah. Will Collins is off the table. There's a guy that plays for the Broncos that's not happy oh, in Denver I that I would love to have on the team, but I'm just going to leave team. it at that. Oh, maybe that's someone the Bengals could look at with Sister Tan. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you guys had to give up a good amount, though. I yeah. don't know if that's something but, you guys I mean, to We're do. honestly in win-now mode, though. So that could be one. I mean, that's true. To look at. But I think, uh, I mean, switching to my team, they're more, the Browns are more in a way. They are in an all well now. All the chips are on the table here. Yeah. I think, I mean, this guy's a little bit of a sneaky guy. I'm not going to go the big guy that everybody's been speculating. It's not going to happen. Derrick Henry's not going to be a Cleveland Brown. It'd be a one-year winner. I don't want it anyway. That's not going to happen. A little bit more of a sneakier guy in, the, in that NFC South interesting division. Guy who um, plays on the Falcons who went off last year. Oh. Cordell Patterson, being a Cleveland Brown in my mind, would be a great addition. That'd be huge. I mean, it'd be another Andrew Berry masterclass. I'd say, okay, you give up what? A sixth-round pick. And just and just imagine next year, could you, you would have Nick Chubb back, presumingly, for week one. 
which is looking like he's on track to come back week one. Yeah, I mean, maybe even sit out the first couple weeks to make sure he's fully healthy. But still, yeah. I mean, you're going to have Chubb back next year. That's a guarantee. I think that's what gave that's what gave us Brown fans a lot of hope, considering it wasn't career ending. Yeah, but. and I think and I think if you get Cordero Patterson, that two headed backfield is that's that's division winning. Right I mean, there. even with even when Ford comes back, this that Ford Patterson combo, and even having Hunt, those three, yeah, one you can go, pass. You can even go running back by committee if you want. Honestly, to. two pass catchers and the best runner in the league. It would be crazy. Yes, that'd be something I'd look out for for sure. So now we are going to rapid fire our fantasies because we are pushing a minute, an hour forty, pretty much. A shockingly um, longer episode. That is shocking. Yeah, I thought it was going to be shorter. It was the discussion about Heisman AP that pushed us over, but the Jane Daniels, hey, yeah, the propaganda, it, it happens. We need. We it. have fantasy mine's pretty short i scored the second most points last week i played against the first most and i'm tied for last because rj doesn't know how to beat ian Man, he lost crazy. to kendrick Bourne. <laughs> that's wild and juju <laughs> smith schuster insane <laughs> and miles sanders don't remind that's me. crazy don't remind me i right. beat ian all right i I'll, t- I'll take over from here i'm five and two now looking pretty good but i've got three guys on ir james connor kyron williams and justin jefferson those are killer but I would like to say a th- great thank you to our Lord and Savior, Don- Deontay Foreman. Thank you for carrying my team last year and getting me 33. I am not so pissed off at the Bears now. Fair enough. Uh, I play RJ this week after a miraculous win against James. I was projected to score 93 points, but I had more than that. Fair, yeah. Uh, I first of all want to praise Pacheco and Tony Pollard to help me win this game. Uh, you all clown me for Sam Laporta, but he's becoming one of my top five players. That's very fair. That's, That's very fair. Yeah. fair. And Absolutely. Joe Burrow will not play this week because I have Kirk Cousins. Oh. He's playing Green yeah. Bay, and he's going to drop 25. That's we, fair. We clown you for Sam Laporta because not only did you not know who he was, you didn't know. You, you just like stumbled upon him. Yeah. and it, I mean, Ooh, it Sam Laporta. Didn't even know he was from hey, Iowa. Yeah, I, I also yeah. played Narcos music when introducing him. That's crazy. Uh, I am now five and two. That's two straight wins for me, beating Travis Foljum. Travis Foljum. Foljum. That was, that was that's e- that's that's a three week Eagles legend, Travis Foljum. Dom, Dom wouldn't like that. Dom, I know Dom loves his Travis Foljum. Oh yeah. On to week eight, and guess what? I have the best record right now, based off of points for. Fair enough. Hey, your team's been going off on fire. You guys have been playing. Your team as squad has been playing. I pretty still have good. the best chance to yeah. win the playoffs. Yeah. Andrew's on upset alert. I vote some. Oh lord, man. I mean, looking at my team real quick, we got upset. We lost by like what? A po- it was like a point and a half. It was like the lowest margin. Lamar and Mahomes basically evened out each other, and then Eckler pulled a dud, and then Cooper a dud. I was a bunch of a lot of duds. Overall, guys not really doing what they were expected. It sucks, but hey, we got to move on. I mean, playing Cam this week, I win would be very nice. But a loss, I it would start to make me worry a little bit. But going up against Cam, I mean, I have a couple guys. I mean, Lamar's playing Arizona. I have a chance to get a win, but it'll be very interesting this week to see how our matchup goes. But we got to wait and see. This, this is definitely an interesting fantasy as – the rules are simple. It's not about winning the league. It's, it's about, about not, not getting last place. Not yes. getting last. But thank you guys for listening to episode seven of Stirring the Pot. And I we had to shout out, but we are making a YouTube. Yes. We have an Instagram. Go follow yes, the Instagram. 
pretty much just type in Stirring the Pot Podcast and you'll and find the Instagram. Twitter's coming soon too, trust. We're going to have on multiple platforms. But again, thank you guys for tuning in to us and we'll see you in the next episode. Absolutely. Yeah. See you guys. Yeah. Peace out, y'all.